This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. The team doctor for the Los Angeles Chargers told the San Diego uh, Union, that's the name of their paper there, obviously they still have a vested interest in the Chargers, when all this thing about Oakland came up and the x-ray machine, Dr. Chow is his name, said that the x-ray facilities in Oakland, I'll use his terms, in quotes, are awful. And apparently, thanks to an article by Ed Bouchette today, that And again, they don't care because they're moving, right? They don't care about their team. They don't care about the stadium, certainly, which is, by the way, it's been years since I was there. Might be early 80s, the last time I – it was a dump then. And they haven't done anything with it for the most part. Why? Because they're leaving. So, but according – well, it's not according to – this is a fact that the x-ray room – you have to walk up a flight of three stairs to get there. Now, if you've got an injured player, is that what you want to do? I'm sure it was if Ben had bruised ribs, which apparently was the ultimate diagnosis when they got him back to Pittsburgh and did an MRI on him. By the way, every stadium has to have an MRI machine. That's man- mandatory. But the difference is, for example, at Heinz Field, it's right, it's in a hallway between, midway between the Steelers locker room and the visitors locker room, a little closer to the Steelers locker room. But I mean, you know, you just, the guy comes up and you wheel him there if you have to, but you have to go up three flights of stairs. Now, bruised ribs are painful. But what if a guy's got a bad ankle? He has to, now he has to walk up three flights of stairs? I can't believe the league doesn't mandate better. Where's their Where's their MRI thing? So that all makes perfect sense. And, oh, by the way, when they got there, the x-ray technician was nowhere to be found. What was he doing? Probably stomping on cockroaches. All right, so all that... Makes sense. It makes sense to me. I mean, there are some conspiracy theorists who think that that was just a song and dance and a made-up story trying to make the Steelers look as good as possible. But Ben said the same thing. And here's what I know about that particular injury. I had a broken rib, and it's no fun. I can tell you that. And I'm not an NFL quarterback or an NFL anything. But when I broke my rib and they took me to the hospital for the next day, and I should have gone that day, but I didn't. I was stubborn, figured I could fight through it, which was dumb, but that's me. When they did the x-ray, the technician and then the doctor who saw me said, the first thing that we're concerned about when we have a broken rib or think there's a broken rib, is is it in position to puncture the lung? That's what they're worried about because the rib's broken, there's a jagged edge exposed, and depending on where it is, 
If that happens, now you got trouble. So if you send him back in the game, not knowing whether or not there's a possibility that that rib could puncture a lung, the uncertainty would absolutely give you pause to put the guy back in the game. So I understand all that. But I also don't think that fully explains why, if you're going to use them, or you might use them, now it's a matter of when you decide to use them. They determined that they were only going to use them in the case of emergency. And by the Steelers' definition, meaning Tomlin's definition, that meant falling behind. I think we could all see what might be coming. Josh Dobbs was having no success moving the ball whatsoever. And what's they say what's that they say an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure? Now who knows what happens? I don't. You don't. But if you put Ben in a series earlier, let's say, and even if he doesn't score, maybe he picks up a few first downs, he flips field position, and you pad the lead that he's already been able to give you coming off the sideline. Who knows what happens from that point on. But I think you can be really cautious with him. And here's the other thing. If you're playing with a lead, your pass routes can be safer. They don't have to be as long. When he look, when he came in, they were behind with 524 to go, whatever it was. You got to use your entire arsenal. But if you're still playing with the lead, you can be a little bit more cautious, not only with the offense, but with him. You don't have to have him back there for seven step drops. He's in the shotgun, more t- timing patterns. And this is a bad Oakland defense. Let's not forget that. And that's where a running game would have been nice. Of course, it would have been a nice running game if they'd have used it with Dobbs. However, with Dobbs in there, a defensive coordinator, Paul Gunther, is not going to be quite as concerned with the run game because Ben's in there. If he's got Dobbs, that changes his options and his philosophy. So that's a, a bonus in two directions. I realize they didn't run the ball well all day. I know that Connor wasn't there. I do not give the offensive line a pass on that. Shame on them. They're underperforming when it comes to run blocking. My whole point is, if you're going to use him, that's already been decided. The when is the issue. It's like the old I think it was W.C. Fields' line. We've already established what you are, madam. Now we're just haggling over the price. So we've already established that they're going to put Ben back in, but the question is when. And again, I think an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure in that case. I understand not wanting to take the risk because I understand what happened there, and I don't think it's a made-up story. Why? Because the Charger, 
team doctor said it's awful there. And Tomlin was asked yesterday, are you going to file a complaint? And he said no. Well, first of all, that's not his call, frankly. It's Art Rooney or Kevin Colbert. And why not? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't any visiting team say, hey, this is unacceptable? And they got to play there another year. That should be for all teams. But ultimately, with all the talk about Ben should have been back in, I think there was hysteria. I think Tomlin did the right thing by coming right out and addressing it because the story is getting legs. What are you doing? They explained it. Some will never accept anything, Tomlin says. Fine. Wallow in your misery. That's okay. But when we, all, when we get down to it, when they brought Ben in, he did what he was supposed to do, and that's lead them on a touchdown drive. Perfect. Six for six. Bing, bang, boom. And they're up. And that awful defense just gave it right back up. like eating a spoiled piece of meat. But an hour later, you give it right back up. And ultimately, when we assess the defeat, you can talk about Boswell, and you should, and you can talk about when Ben was reinserted in the lineup, and you should. But ultimately, we should talk about a defense that not once, but twice, gave up two 70-plus-yard drives for touchdowns to that offense. And, oh, by the way, good things come in threes, right? Three touchdown drives of over 70 yards to a 2-10 and team. That's the issue. The Ben thing, the Boswell thing, yes. The defense, we'll talk about where the Steelers are in their place-kicking search with Jerry Dulac and more Steelers stuff at one. And I've got a tutorial on those who apparently need it about exactly what the job of the media is. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Mark Madden's a very talented uh, Pittsburgh radio host and a writer in Pittsburgh. He came out today, and they have a column time to consider firing Mike Tomlin. And for the record, it is. I got nothing against Mike Tomlin, but Mark Madden lays it out. He says, in the last 11 years, when the Steelers are favored by nine or more, they're six and five straight up. The rest of the league's 52 and 10. That defines who they are. They play down to the competition. Well, that's a popular narrative. And Tomlin's got to wear that. But I'll tell you why it's not going to happen, not this offseason. Not going to happen now. It's not going to happen this offseason. But I'll tell you what I do think is going to happen. Let me answer the trivia question first. I just can't believe what Belichick said. Uh, (laughs) Gullible's one thing. Brendan tweets and says, It's quite clear that Belichick was sarcastically throwing shade at the Stillers by his comments. Maybe. Playing well? What would they look like if they weren't playing well? All right, who was the head coach of the Patriots before Belichick took the job? And the answer, Pete Carroll. 
Now your friendly head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, Pete Carroll, was the head coach of the New England Patriots, and he was bounced, and Belichick took the job. Don in West Mifflin was our first correct caller, and he wins the $25 gift certificate to the Carlton Restaurant. Here's what's going to happen, I think. If this continues and one of two things happens, that the Steelers make the playoffs but are one and done, or if they don't make the playoffs at all, which is looking more probable than before, I think what's going to happen is that Art Rooney will talk to Tomlin and put him on notice. And he will say to him that 2019 is a year of decision for you if things don't change. And here's why I say that. The Roonies, Art included, have always believed that if you've got a good head coach and you believe he can coach successfully, then you don't let him go when there are downtimes. Case in point, Bill Cower. Bill Cower missed the playoffs three years in a row. 98, 99, and 2000 after being in the AFC Championship game in 97, losing to Denver at home, and then back to the playoffs in 01, losing to the Patriots at home. But they believed that Bill Cower was a good coach, and they were going through a down period. And that because he was a good coach, that they were going to stick with him. The ebbs and flows of the league dictate that you're going to have down times. In those three years, there were records below 500. Tomlin's never had one. But this is not a Tomlin versus Cower scenario that I'm presenting. I'm just trying to give you some insight into the way the Roonies think. And as awful as that loss in Jacksonville was, or to Jacksonville, I meant, in the playoffs, they were 13-3. and three. And they've made the playoffs how many years in a row? They're not going to fire Mike Tomlin. I know it makes a lot of you unhappy. It's not going to happen. But I do think two things are going to happen. One, if either of those two scenarios are outlined, eventuate, then Tomlin's going to be told things have to change in 19, or you know what. I also think, and the Roonies have done this before, that Art will demand some changes to the staff. And I think we all know who that would mean, and that would be Keith Butler. Now, I asked the question yesterday for this purpose, knowing I would discuss this today. How much of it is personnel? I mean, bad personnel is the responsibility of the general manager and the head coach. But matchups, maybe that's a product of trying to camouflage some of their warts. But I think those two things are going to happen this offseason. I wanted to mention this, too. Tweeter 
calls himself the Berg Collector, says to be fair, Stan, I also believe the media needs to beef up criticism of Tomlin more often at his press conferences, roasted more like it. I want to set people straight. Our job is to ask relevant questions. I saw one tweet yesterday. This is the Pittsburgh media's week. Look, I don't stand up for all media members. I am not proud of some of my brethren in the media. Not all of them. They conduct their business the way they do. I conduct my business the way I do. But this one listener said, weak media. Isn't there one person uh, with the blank to ask Tomlin about the, uh, the timeouts? He was asked about the timeouts. And when he had his opening statement about the x-ray fiasco, there were several follow-up questions about that, including my own. There were questions about Boswell. There were questions about the defense and matchups. I asked that question after the Charger game. I was the one who did it. Are those really the matchups you wanted against Keenan Allen? We are not like you. You are fans. You're angry. I get that. I'm not real wild about what's going on with them either. But my job is to analyze and ask questions so I can give you the answers or get the answers for you. You're angry, and you have right to be as a fan. But as a journalist, we're not angry. We're not fans. We're not there to root, root, root for the home team. And a lot of you think it's a debate. You want an argument. You want a fist fight. That's not what the media does. They ask questions. If they don't get the answers they want, they ask it a different way. If the subject involved is not willing to answer the questions, then that's all a journalist can do. It's not a shouting match. You're angry. You're shouting. Figuratively. Maybe literally. When you expect us to act like you, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the way you act, but we don't act that way. It's not our job. We're not fans. And oh, by the way, some of you tough guys, hey, that guy has no blanks, no stones, no cut. If I was there, I no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. <clears throat> so spare me. At least understand that we are not like you. <clears throat> Doesn't make us better or worse. We just have a different position when it comes to following a team. Got it? Let's bring in another member of the stinking media. Jerry Dulac will join me next. Saverin on Sports ESPN Pittsburgh. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. We acknowledge that 
that Chris has struggled. We acknowledge that Chris has struggled to find consistent footing. Um, we're willing to explore options that gives us the very best chances of that ball going through the uprights this weekend. That being said, those options include Chris. All right, we'll see if there's uh, any update on anybody coming in and who that might be. Joined now by Jerry Dulac, who covers the Steelers and has for a long time for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and for the Steelers Radio Network. Jerry brought to us by Gorman's Pub in Brentwood. $2 Bud Light Aluminum Pints every Sunday. So a 4.30 start. You can get warmed up for the game. Jerry joins us now. Uh, Jerry, any news, uh, information uh, about place kickers being tried out by the Steelers? Stan, if if they were going to do it, they would have done it yesterday during the off day for the players and or this morning. And best that I can tell that the only thing that was in the indoor practice facility yesterday and this morning were some pylons and leftover jump ropes. Um, <laughs> I don't, I, That's the defense. I Those pylons are the Steelers' defensive players. The only kickers I've seen on the south side uh, are, are uh, Chris Boswell, and uh, the young man from Pitt. Beyond that, I haven't seen any different ones. And, uh, you know, to be perfectly honest, Dan, I don't want to say I'm not expecting any. It, routinely, at different points of the season, they bring in players for a workout, uh, you know, just to have somebody in mind. When I say routinely, they don't do it often, but it, it's not uncommon for them to do that. And it wouldn't have surprised me if they did bring in a kicker, but I'm really not anticipating any change. Um, they really don't want to uh, have to get rid of Chris Boswell. I don't see a situation where they would bring in another kicker and leave Chris Boswell on the roster because that's that's to me is just you know that that's in, in, embarrassing and, and demeaning to a player. And the best thing I don't want to say the best thing that could happen, but is if Chris Boswell suddenly came up with a mysterious injury and they had to put him on injured reserve and and sign another kicker. But I I, I think that. I think they just, you know, they're, they're hoping to weather the storm uh, with Chris Boswell. I think, I think it's a very similar mindset to uh, what happened Sunday in Oakland when they were just trying to weather the storm with, uh, with Josh Dobbs and, and hope that they didn't have to bring Ben back to protect their quarterback. Um, but in this case, I, I think because Chris Boswell has just proven he's such a good kicker, he's such an accurate kicker, he's such a clutch kicker. I think he's missed one kick prior to the season, Stan, of course. He's missed one kick in December and January and none in the postseason. He is a clutch guy. He just hasn't been that this year, and I just don't think, though, that they're ready to move on from him. I think they're just keeping their fingers crossed and hope he'll deliver one when, when, um, when they really, really need it. Then again, of course, everybody, including them, will kick themselves in the rear if that comes to that and the same thing happens. But I think that's where they are right now. I think you're right. He's such a young guy, too. It's it's not like he's in his mid-30s. Right. Um, and, the, you know, he's going through a bad patch, but it is costing them. You know, you chuckled your way through this, but I had a, a caller suggest, a listener suggest this, and I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I mean, after all, you are you are playing the Cheatriots this week um, who've developed that uh, to a fine art. Uh, Boswell slips in Oakland. Oh, my hip hurts. Oh. I no, mean, he hurt his plant foot, Stanley. Yeah. His ankle, his left, his left ankle. Is that plant. out of the realm of, I don't know, probability, but reasonability? Well, I think you would have heard Mike Tomlin yesterday in his news conference add Boswell to the injury list. 
that he tweaked he tweaked his ankle on uh, on that kick just to to put it out there first and foremost. So I think it's a little too late to come up with that plan. But I, I mean, yesterday was the time to do it. Um, and then, um, but I think I think with all those IR cases, especially something like that, you know, it's kind of like a little bit with the IRS. It raises a little flag, and I think uh, I think the league then looks into it uh, just a little bit more. But no, it's not without the realm of possibility. I just think if that was going to happen, that would have happened yesterday. The ball would have started rolling yesterday. Yeah, I would think so. And I, I know they normally try guys out on Tuesday. Is One last thing about the kickers, and I know you wrote about that in the Post-Gazette today. Is it possible that they have a list, every team does, a list right. of players available for linebackers, safety, whatever, guards, whatever it is, that they already have identified who they'd like to bring in, or maybe they, you know, maybe they tried them out two weeks ago. I mean, is that a possibility? And we may not see anybody show up or have a oh. live kicking competition. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, and I can't tell you who those guys are, Stan. Um, but that is that is possible as well. Um, you know, when when you look at their history, you know, they, with the exception of Sean Sweezum, who was an established kicker and then had a bad year. Uh, with the Redskins, I think, uh, you know, they picked Jeff Reed off the cotton farm, I think is what he was doing. And, and <laughs> you know, Chris Boswell, you know, had never kicked in an NFL game. He was with the Saints or Eagles or somebody in the preseason. But, Sam, when you look at his record at Rice in college, it wasn't very good. That's, that was the other thing, surprisingly, about his performance with the Steelers. He was a 75% field goal kicker, I think, in college. And then he comes here, and he's 90%. He's the best in the league. So they've had success just picking guys out of nowhere that nobody's really heard of. And, and yeah, they do have a list of all players like that. Um, I, I don't know that it would be that type of open tryout, but typically they do. We have seen with all those guys, they did survive tryouts. So I would imagine that's their typical M.O. So I would imagine they probably would have continued the same old way with with uh, with some type of tryout, but I, I think you might have asked the question yesterday, Stan, of Mike Tomlin. They have a tryout, but the tryout is also they kind of know who they want, and they're they're just having a tryout to see if the guy they want doesn't really blow it. Is basically what it amounts to when they head into these tryouts. Yeah, um, who knows? You know, maybe they score enough touchdowns that even if he misses two extra points, it won't matter. Um, you wrote about the place kickers today, and and um, but I, I certainly wanted to get. Uh, your thoughts, uh, I thought it was interesting. Uh, he's done this on occasion. I wonder if the public relations department urged him to open the press conference talking about X-ray gate. And I asked the question because I spent the first segment of the program talking about this. Uh, to me, the, the quote from the Chargers team doctor in the San Diego Union yesterday saying that the facility, X-ray facilities in Oakland are awful, that kind of validates... Um, you know, what Tomlin was saying, and I also added, uh, I had a broken rib. And the doctors explained to me, he said, our first concern is that, that your broken rib doesn't isn't a position to puncture your lung. Then we've got problems. And I wonder um, if that was the issue um, that they were concerned about. And the second part of that is, if they had cleared Ben to play and they described it as an emergency, were you in agreement that the emergency had to be defined by actually falling behind? I'm thinking if you put him in a series before that and be cautious with him, maybe it never comes down to that. You know, Stan, uh, to answer your first question, um, 
there wasn't any there wasn't fear of any one particular thing because they they just didn't know what the extent of the injury uh, was. And now I will tell you before Mike Tomlin even went through that dissertation that that was the exact story that I was told uh, by the people who would know what happened. Uh, that the that the X-ray technician was not there. Uh, he was uh, best I can tell. He was out having a sandwich at halftime <laughs> or getting a bite to eat. And when they came, when he got back, that's why they got the X-ray late. Uh, that's what Mike Tomlin was talking about, where he said it was not very fluid. They did not get the X-rays till at some point in the third quarter. And then when they got the X-rays, they were not very readable. And that is all very true. That is exactly what happened. So they weren't exactly sure what any of the possibilities were with his injury. Uh, uh, ben had also, uh, you heard Mike Tomlin say he, they medicated him. They gave him a shot at halftime. And by the time that started kicking in, he was feeling a little bit better. And they just thought, look, he felt okay. There didn't seem to be any imminent danger in terms of pain or horrible discomfort at that point. Um, what they, I guess, could see with the x-rays was maybe convincing enough that, okay, there's no immediate danger aside from some sore ribs. Um, and I don't think there's any question. The emergency was just like in Cincinnati when Landry Jones threw the interception in the playoff game. They thought, okay, we got this one chance. Now we better put our guy back in. And you know what? He gave him the lead. So to me, look, it's easy to say. It's easy to say, oh, if Ben would have been in there, it might have been 35 to 14. Well, you know what, Stan? They only scored two touchdowns in the, in the first half. It wasn't like they put up 21 points. You can't assume that if Ben was in there, they would have gone down and scored two or three more times. Mm -hmm. I mean, you would like to think that, but you can't say that. And the reality is, is he came into the game, got him a touchdown, got him the lead, and for the second series in a row that the defense didn't stop him. That's, that's what lost them. That's what lost them the football game. Yeah, no doubt. And that was my – I was leading to that. Uh, there, there, with all that and all that being said and all that drama and sandwiches and having to walk up, walk up three flights of stairs, what if you have an injured player who's got a bad ankle and now he's got to walk up three flights of stairs to get an X-ray? Uh, it's, it's absurd to me that the Steelers aren't filing a complaint. At least, first of all, that's not – that's above Mike Tomlin's pay grade. That's, that's what Art Rooney ought to be doing. We thought the defense was getting better. We have talked about that. Clearly it's not. And if it is, it melts when the the pressure is the highest. And and that right. is really an indictment. Right. That's the problem, Stan, is is their their failure in the fourth quarter and in the last uh, you know, they did this in Jacksonville. They got off the field four straight times, three and out, and they gave the football back to the offense, which allowed the offense to come back and, and score and win the game several times. Since then, that was the last time they've done it, and that's why they've lost three in a row. You've heard me say this many times, that this, the last four games have come down to the final play. The Steelers are 1-3 and three in those games. They could very easily stand be 10-2-1, and one, and everybody would be talking about them as the most dangerous team in the AFC and maybe the best team in the AFC. And they could be six, six and one, and out of first place. That's how close it has been. The defense, to me, has, uh, has shown flashes of being solid. We have seen that. Their pressure has been very good. They don't take the ball away, and they don't come up with stops when they really need it. They are inopportunistic. That uh, that is for sure. And and that's uh, that's been their um, that's been their biggest problem, and that's what's holding them back. Do I think they're horrible defensively? No, I don't. Um, not when you get after the quarterbacks like they do, and, and um, but 
you know, Stan, it's just not translating uh, into victories. You look at last year, they're 8-2 and two in one-score games. They're 4-4-1 four, four, and one this year. And I'm a firm believer your record says what you are. Uh, you could sit there and say they're better than that. And, yeah, we like to think they are. But that's what they are. And, and right now they're a 7-6-1 and one football team. And, and as easy as we could say they could, they could be very easily 10-2-1, they're not. Exactly. <clears throat> Just to use an analogy, when I hear team uh, people talk about baseball teams, Said, oh, they, you know, they're they're just uh, fifteen and twenty five in one run games. They're so close. Right. No, that tells me you're a bad team when you That's lose right. a lot of uh, one run games. That 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 should not be considered a positive. Do you see any turnaround? I do not. Based on, I think, a bruised, if not shattered, psyche on this team now. You know, Stan, it, it's. Um... That's, I don't want to say that's hard for me to quantify uh, because, you know, I, I, I have not seen that, but that doesn't mean that that's not the case. Um, but I don't think there's any question when you let three of them slip away. Here's what's disturbing to me in this regard, Stan, is the Denver game very easily, and we all did it, and I think we all know it. They gave the game to the Broncos. They went up and down the field repeatedly, 527 yards, 27 first downs, 35 minutes time of possession, throwing 55 times. They dominated the football game, and they gave it to the Broncos with two goal line uh, turnovers and one at the 21. So it, it, I, it was easy to dismiss that loss. You beat yourself. You did not beat yourself in Oakland. The Raiders beat you, a 2-10 and ten football team. And, and that, to me, is what this is disturbing. So I think the Denver game, they can sit there and, and slough that off, as they did, not that they slough off a defeat, but how they lost. Uh, there was none of that to, um, after this Oakland game. There were, there were heads, I don't want to say hanging, but there was more despondency after this game than there was in the Denver game. Now, I'm not saying they're demoralized and defeated, but you can, you can tell this was a different type of loss, a more disturbing loss, because the Raiders beat them. They didn't beat themselves. And so that's, I kind of think, where, where they are. There's three games left. I always wait till they play them all out, Stan, because you see strange things happen. Right now, the Dallas Cowboys look like the best team uh, in the NFC at 8-5 and five in the way they've uh, won the last five games. And, and we'll see how this plays out in these last three. I do believe they are a good football team, but the next three games, like David DeCastro said after the game, these next three games are going to tell us something about ourselves, and we'll see where they are. But right now, right now they're a 7-6-1 and one football team that can't get off the field with their defense. Well, you, uh, Freudian slip, uh, you're already saying that they lost to the Patriots because they're 7-5-1. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that was the next. I keep, adding that, I keep adding that extra loss in there. But, you know, Dan, if they have a mental block in Houston, if they do, I'm not saying they do, but if they do because they can't beat the Raiders in Oakland, bad football team, what kind of mental block uh, uh, hurdle do you think they're going to overcome against Tom Brady and the Patriots? Can they beat them? Absolutely. The Patriots are 3-4 and four on the road this year, Stan. It won't shock me at all. But I'm at the point, too, where it's like, okay, Show me now that you're going to beat them. I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, yeah, they'll beat them, because certainly on paper they could. Now, Until they show, they should have beaten Denver, they should have beaten the, uh, the Raiders. So, But they didn't, and so that's where they are. And the Chargers. Um, they had that game. Uh, well, the Chargers, yeah, they did. They did. But, I, 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 Stan, I, I can't say enough. I, had, I was chatting with Ken Wisenhunt last night, and I told him, I said, I just can't say enough 
about what I saw from Philip Rivers standing in there to, under that pressure and taking those hits and picking them apart. It's a Hall of Fame quarterback that beat them. I know they, they let that one get away, but they also lost to, to a Hall of Fame quarterback, in my opinion. Well, this may, I don't know if it made you feel better or worse, or just to, for consumption, and then I have to let you go. Um, our friend Aditi Kinkabwala of the NFL Network tweeted this out, and she said uh, about the Miami miracle lost by the Patriots, she says, since 2000, teams that lost on a walk-off final play or regulation touchdown are 6-12 and the following week, and when those teams have to rebound on the road, they're 1-10. and But it's the Patriots and Steelers. Yeah. Well, Interesting. Let's, uh, let's, right, yeah, it is. And uh, let's, see, let's see what happens. Show me, show me you can do it. Um, you know, I look, I, I can tell you Mike Tomlin badly wants to beat Bill Belichick. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, some of that gets, gets in the way. I think it certainly got in the way last year in a different form by everything they talked about. But let's not forget, Stan, they did everything they were supposed to do, and they came down and won that game. And I'm not bellyaching, but the rule, the rule cost them a victory. I mean, they came right down the field, bang, 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 and won that game very impressively. But the rules are the rules, and that catch was uh, ruled not a touchdown, and, and, and they lost. So, I mean, that's how close, the, close they were last year. Indeed, I think the Patriots are vulnerable, but they are nine and four. Um, Stan, the thing I took away from the game, among all the things to take away from the game in Oakland, was that where would this team be without Ben Roethlisberger? I mean, you just see it time and again for him to come in like he did and just go six for six and just bang, bang, bang right down the field, just like the New England game last year. Imagine, you know, for all the people who bellyache about his. 13 interceptions and this decision and that decision. Uh, Stan, uh, these people here don't, I don't think they fully understand, nor do I think he gets the credit nationally, but the people don't understand what they have here. Uh, Look at the Green Bay Packers, who have the greatest throwing quarterback maybe in NFL history. They're not exactly lighting up the league, but this uh, Ben Roethlisberger, without him, just imagine where this team would be. Well, Probably we'll be discovering that um, in the fairly near future. Yeah. Jer, yeah. thanks very much. Enjoy. We'll look forward to seeing you on Sunday afternoon. All right, Stan. Always good chatting with you, as you know. All right, Jer. I sure do. Thanks very much. Jerry brought to us by Gorman's Pub and Brentwood. $2 Bud Light Aluminum Pints every Sunday.